Did you ever see that movie uh, Whiplash? No, I've seen clips from that so many times and I want to watch it just so I can watch J.K. Simmons just bitch slap the shit out of Miles Teller. Dude, J.K. Simmons is so good in that movie. Oh my God. That's a great movie though. You would love it. Yeah, it's on my list. Like it's, it's on there. I've seen the clip where he like just rocks him in the head while he's drumming. He's like, was that early? <laughs> yeah, and there's there's one point where he literally takes a symbol, and you know how symbols are like sharp. Yeah, and they're heavy, and like throws it like a frisbee at this kid, and he like ducks out of the way. Oh my god, it's great! It's a great movie. <laughs> Damn! Damn! All right. Shall we? We shall. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Big Freaking Health Coach Podcast. I'm Big Freaking Neil, and I'm joined, of course, as always, every week, except for when he decides to up and go to Hawaii on me. (laughs) My business partner, buddy, Brain Twin. Health Coach Kane. Hey, Big Neil. What's up, man? I'm not going to let you live down the Hawaii thing for a while, if you haven't noticed. I'm fine with that. (laughs) You're like, I love the reminder that I was sitting on the beach. You guys should just come with next time. We'll do a podcast from the beach. Oh, dude, that that would be the best. Yep. That would be legit. Just rent out like a, a whole like podcasting Airbnb. Yeah. Oh, my God. And write it off that way. <laughs> exactly. See, <laughs> this is our studio space. <laughs> we are on location. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what's going on, dude? Oh, you know, um, actually going hand in hand with our energy systems topic for today. I have had extremely low energy for a few weeks at this point. Nice. Uh, Score. Fun at all. <laughs> Is that uh, does that have anything to do with transitioning off of vacation? Do you think? Uh, maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know. It, it's been an off and on issue for probably the last six months or so. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm accidentally fixing something here and there, and then since I'm not conscious of it, I don't know what's really going on. It just creeps back in. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go get. I'm gonna go see my doctor, like a responsible human being. And uh, maybe get some blood work done if that's what he recommends and see if I'm like iron deficient or something like. Yeah, man. There's so many minerals and hormones and all these things bouncing around in our bodies at any, any given time that need to be balanced a certain way. And yeah, yeah. There's so many reasons why we feel like shit <laughs> when we it's when such we, an unusual year this past year too, for obvious reasons that like, I don't know, I, I could just not be tracking stuff as well as I usually do. Cause more out of sorts than usual, mm-hmm. like little changes to the routine can, can also change the accuracy of your tracking for stuff. And yeah, I'm just going to get it checked out because it's better to know than guess. For sure. Uh, how much sleep you getting? Probably a solid seven to eight hours each night. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm 
frankly, I'm usually, I run best on like eight and a half to nine hours of sleep. Cause I'm one of those yeah. sleepy people, which I hate. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like I, I don't like that. That's optimal. Cause it's just so much time that I'd rather spend doing other stuff, but a lot of time, man. Yeah. After a year of seven hours a night, if I'm even averaging that for real with quality sleep, like that still might be putting me in for lack of a better term, a sleep debt. Yeah. I'm just not as recovered and sharp as I should be, but we'll find out. Gotcha. I encourage all of you listening. If you come across stuff like this, don't just power through it, go see somebody and find out if there's a problem or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. I feel How about you. Well, uh, I, I told you off air that I recently, uh, sucked it up and bought myself a CPAP. Dope. Because apparently pretty much every bodybuilder ever has sleep apnea. Uh, and I kind of thought it was just me, but no, it's, it's universal <laughs> to the yeah. sport. Apparently, uh, like I've heard a lot of pro bodybuilders talk about their CPAP machines. <laughs> so yeah. 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 And I remember when I first got diagnosed, it was described to me as a lack of space, basically like in the back of my throat mm-hmm. and that the musculature there when I'm awake and speaking, it's fine because those muscles are, are active and there's enough space. But then when I sleep and those muscles relax, apparently that space closes and I don't breathe several times a night. So yeah. Well, yeah. that's not awesome. <laughs> it's not great. It's not great for getting quality sleep. I guess it makes sense though. When your neck goes from your ears straight to your shoulders, you probably got what 12, 15 <laughs> pounds of neck. <laughs> like right. all that relaxes and your poor trachea is just like now. <laughs> yeah. It does it does make a lot of sense. Uh so yeah, I, I have like a full on vein mask that I wear to sleep now. It's interesting. Yeah. I keep so apparently I turn over a lot in one direction when I sleep because I keep getting wrapped up in the tube and then I'll like yank the machine off of the dresser at a certain point. This has happened multiple times and then it crashes to the floor and wakes me up. Uh, and I, and I have to like unwrap my neck with the tube. So you finally put a mask on that lets you breathe and you decide to strangle yourself with it. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, it happens. It happens. <laughs> the good news is though, my, I do have so much muscle in my neck that the tube is not like strong enough to actually cut off airflow. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think I can kill myself accidentally with my CPAP, at least so far. <laughs> you can just get an extra long hose and wrap it up all night and it won't matter. Yeah, that's true. true. (laughs) I need like a triple length hose. (laughs) Oh, man. So what are we talking about today, buddy? Energy and energy systems. Energy. So a little bit more technical episode today, but pretty much uh, the avenues with which you create energy in your body Mm -hmm. and what kind of activities those would correspond with best. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I think this will give people a good view of what's going on in their bodies during different activities and different durations of activity. Um, and also what that means as far as their recovery goes, how much rest they're going to need. So cool, man. Where does it all start? 
ATP, man. Adenosine triphosphate. Baby. What that is, we'll give you the short version of all this stuff because it can get ridiculously complicated. Not all of it is directly applicable to what you'll actually use when exercising. Yeah. Um, but ATP is important. It's uh, an adenosine particle, molecule, whatever, with three phosphates coming off of it. And one of those phosphates breaks off, and that is the reaction that makes energy. Yes. So when we do this, then it becomes the diphosphate because there's only two left. Um, And this stuff is typically stored in, like, your muscles, the muscle belly, and your liver for creatine stuff um, that comes into play in a second. So pretty much the, the ATP that is already existing in your body is only enough to fuel a high intensity activity for about two seconds before you have to kind of make more of it. Yeah. I mean, that's a super short period of time. Yeah. So we don't even really regard what you have existing in your muscle as an actual energy system. The system is the reproduction of that ATP. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get into the ATP dash CP system. Some people call it the phosphogen system. Some people call it the creatine phosphate system. It's got a few different names, but it's all the same thing. Yeah. You use creatine to reattach a phosphate molecule to that ADP making it ATP again so that you can break it off and get some more energy. So basically, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the uh, pretty much the whole purpose of creatine supplementation and the reason why it equates to increased performance, especially for high output, short duration activities, is because you're, you're essentially cheating the system uh, involved in the reproduction of ATP. So you're like... Here's a whole bunch of creatine to work with. Um, so it's going to be easier for your body to, to replenish that ATP. Yep. Because if you don't have as much creatine in your system, you can't replenish that as fast or as efficiently Yeah, as you otherwise would. So when you see people taking a bunch of creatine after, the, <clears throat> after their workout, yeah. it is for their next workout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my understanding with supplementation, creatine supplementation, uh, especially is that at a certain point you're, you're going for saturation. Mm-hmm. And once you reach that saturation level, uh, timing isn't a, isn't a huge deal as long as you get that base level of creatine every single day to keep yes. those, those storages topped out. Yep. That's why, uh, when you read the back of a lot of creatine supplements, they talk about a loading phase. Yeah. All that is, is a much higher intake at the onset so that you can reach that level where you are full. Yes. And then you can just coast from there. You don't have to, you take a maintenance amount after that. Um, And for folks who do like spot creatine supplementation, you should take it before 30 to 60 minutes before. Yeah. Um, So it has time to get into your system, get stored somewhere, and then you can use it. Um, That's doable, but it's not as effective as if you were to load and work from what's almost a surplus of creatine. So when you say spot supplementation, you mean like before a specific event, you're, you're loading. Yeah. Up. So like if you, if you do like undulating periodization mm-hmm. for, for your training program, yeah. you have your power days or your like maximal strength days, Some folks will just supplement with extra creatine right before those particular workouts. And then for their more endurance activities, they don't bother with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's workable, but 
you might as well just take it. They're they're it's the most thoroughly researched supplement on the planet yeah. and in nutrition history. Uh-huh. You you no one's found any negative side effects to it yet. Yeah, no negative side effects. It obviously is pre-existing in your body, so you're just giving your body more of something it already makes. In fairness, it's actually probably healthier to supplement with it because you only get it from red meat and to eat enough red meat (laughs) to get your creatine stores completely full, you're probably going to start moving towards some cholesterol issues. (laughs) So you're eating red meat with every meal at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's the first one. So the kind of activities that go with that, like if you play a power sport, if you're like a strong man or you power lift or even things like baseball, where it's very short, very fast movements. Um, If you're a sprinter, if you do sprint swimming, like anything that's a short duration, that's, that's pretty much what you're going to be using up. In terms of like a set, would you say like, what's the rep count threshold? where you're moving into other energy systems once you reach a certain number of reps? I'd probably say three. Okay. That's you, you, got, you got about 10 seconds. So yeah. depending on the lift, like if it's a squat or a deadlift, maybe two. Yeah. Um, for a bench press, probably three. Yeah. So even a power lifter, man, you're only really only utilizing this energy system if you're like right leading up to a meet, like two, three weeks before a meet. So yeah. So it's important to use still, like you got to practice getting up there. You probably use like 90% of your one rep or something, 95 and just do more sets that are shorter. Yeah. Um, so that you can use that system as efficiently as possible. And then you just have rest time in between. Yeah. Got it. Um, but right around the 10 second mark, you start crossing over into your next energy system, which is your glycolytic system. And that's where you use glycogen. And that only fuels you for about a minute predominantly. And then you've used up all the glycogen in your muscles. And that's for kind of the longer intense sets. So like think interval running, think um, basketball, I guess, in in some limited capacities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any sport where you start and stop a lot, football is probably one of those. What the average football play lasts seven seconds or so. Yeah. so you might be moving into your glycolytic system for longer plays. Yeah. Um, so the, the, also the vast majority of like hypertrophy style training. All of it. That's, yeah. that's really your main energy system for most physical activities. So once you get outside of sports and competitive stuff, mm-hmm. like anything you do, yard work, exercise, especially in the five to 12 rep range. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're using your glycolytic system. It's the number one thing. Nice. Um, and that's only important to know because most people think that they're actually using their oxidative or aerobic system, which is the next one. And you're, you're not mm-hmm. like getting into that one is that's pretty much two minutes and beyond. You are solely using oxidative. There can be a little bit of carryover between glycolytic and oxidative from yeah. the one to two minute mark, depending on your conditioning. Um, but you are solely working off the oxidative and that's what burns fat predominantly. There's a Krebs cycle that we won't bother explaining because knowing how it works doesn't help you any in actually utilizing it. Just know that from two minutes on you're burning almost hundred percent fat mm-hmm. as your energy source. You oxidize fat for energy. 
Got it. And, uh, you know, that's jogging, long-term swimming, all endurance activity, all low intensity stuff that mm-hmm. you do for extended periods of time, sets of 20 and yeah. above probably, um, due to the intensity that you start with and then the lower intensity as you get near the end. I mean, I count those long sets as oxidative, even though time-wise they're probably technically not, they yeah. function similarly. Um, in the no, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Would you say, uh, what would you say about someone who's doing weight training more so in like the five to 12 rep range, but they're doing everything circuit style hmm. Would that predominantly get them into the aerobic. Yes. Okay. So the thing is, if you don't put adequate rest in there, you yeah. don't stop moving. So your activity continues. Yeah. So even if you are doing five reps of, five different things, but you're not really resting in between, you're not going to be able to use your five rep max weight. Right. <laughs> For like sure. you just can't, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, which is a really good point. Brings us to how recovery time works in yeah. regard to these energy systems. Yeah. The shorter the duration of activity, mm-hmm. the higher intensity, the longer your recovery time has to be, which seems counterintuitive. Yeah. So if you do like, a two rep max on your deadlift, mm-hmm. you probably have to rest about five minutes after that. Yeah. Easily. It's, it's a total five seconds of work probably, but you need five minutes of rest to fully recover. Whereas if you're doing something more aerobic and you're doing 25 reps of something, God knows why you do that many, but <laughs> if you are, it's at a low enough intensity that you will recover from that really quickly. You're using an energy system that recovers really quickly as well. Your oxidative system recovers extremely fast. Mm -hmm. So you probably need what? 60 seconds tops, maybe 30 if you're in good shape. Yeah, pretty much. What do you say about, um, cause in those, in those longer sets, there's a lot more like metabolites, uh, a lot more like lactic acid buildup, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm how does that play into recovery time or does it really matter? Uh, lactic acid is one of those things where it's painted as the bad guy. Yeah. In in its actual practical application, lactic acid is one of the things that helps you perform work longer. Mm. What ends up happening though, is it's one of those things that doesn't flush itself out when you stop moving. So you can start feeling it kind of impeding it feels like you know when you get that feeling like you get the pump and then it starts to feel like your range of motion is decreasing for things yes like that's lactic acid build up mm-hmm. really the thing that's the problem is like excess i want to say it's nitrogen i'd have to i have to look it's either hydrogen or nitrogen yeah but that's what that burning feeling is is the nitrogen and hydrogen mm-hmm. um it's just a feeling. It doesn't actually impede your ability to do much. Yeah. Especially if it's for endurance activities like that. Like if you did a set of 20 bodyweight squats and your yeah. legs burn a little bit, 60 seconds later, you can do another set of 20 rep squats. It's not yeah. going to keep you from doing anything. Yeah. 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 I feel like a lot of people, uh, a lot of people sort of mistake that feeling for 
total and utter exhaustion and they can't keep going, you know? So that's good to know. Yeah. As long as you can still move, you're not totally and utterly exhausted. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You'll still be able to perform the work. It might be uncomfortable. I'll give you that. I mean, we've all felt that burning feeling. Oh yeah. It sucks, but you can work through that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, As far as that applies to training, I mean, obviously you're going to use all three of these systems throughout the course of a, of a workout. Yeah. Um, Almost regardless of whatever kind of training you're doing. So we typically program the things that use predominantly your phosphagen system, that ATP CP system at the beginning of the workout. Typically the higher the intensity is the higher the risk of injury also is since it's largely correlated to load and volume. Mm-hmm. So we make sure that you have plenty of time to rest up front, that you're most coordinated, that you're freshest when you're dealing with the largest loads or the trickiest form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then typically move to the hypertrophy range, which is largely glycolytic. Yeah. And then at the end, maybe you'll do something aerobic. Yeah. But typically... I don't really program aerobic work into a workout. I might have a client who does their steady state cardio afterward. Yeah. Um, but overall it's the, it's the anaerobic. Those first two energy systems are anaerobic because they don't oxidize anything. Right. Those are the ones that'll be in your weight training. Right. So let's say somebody goes through a workout and they sort of stick to that five to 12 rep range they take the appropriate amount of rest. Uh, so basically they're, they're sort of staying in that glycolytic system the whole time. Uh, by the time they're at the end of their workout, let's say they're doing a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. Will those, can those storages be completely depleted in a single session? So in other words, will they end up in an oxidative state purely from lack of glycogen? It's unlikely. There are, as long as you're resting, it's unlikely yeah. because there are ways that you can produce more glycogen while you're working out. And if you run out of glycogen, your body has a process called gluconeogenesis where it uses free ranging amino acids to create a glycogen substitute. Yeah. And if you run out of free aminos, it will start to pull them from your existing muscle tissue so it can make a glycogen substitute anyway. Yeah. So while you will always get a little bit of help from the oxidative system, mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to suddenly be your primary energy source for an intensity level that it can't support. Yeah. So basically you'll, you'll literally, your body will literally eat its own muscle before for that kind of activity before it will go completely oxidative. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Cause it just won't be sustainable otherwise. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Fun stuff. Right. Fun stuff, man. Just to recap, because I, I think we skipped how long to rest for glycolytic for the for the short ATP system. Yeah. Rest is usually four or five minutes mm-hmm. for the glycolytic system. It's anywhere from two to four, depending on the rep range and the intensity. And then once you get to the oxidative, that's when you're talking 30 to 90 seconds. Yeah. Depending on conditioning. Nice. So make sure you build those in, even if you have supersets and things like that for, for your hypertrophy work, which happens a lot of the time, Yeah. still two to three minutes in between. And that's even if you have two exercises that don't overlap. So if you do a push and a pull or an upper lower, 
that second exercise, it eats some of the rest time for the first exercise, but not all of it. Yeah. So if you're doing straight sets and resting for three minutes, if you do a superset, you're probably still resting for two and a half. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, shoot. I had one more follow-up question and I forget. Um, oh, so let's say someone is staying in that 25 plus rep range. So mm-hmm. very heavily aerobic. Uh, do you, in your opinion, do you think that has a similar or the same effect as like a low, a long, low intensity, steady state cardio session or no? No, simply because the, the intensity might be low and you might be using the same energy system, but your duration can't be as long. Yeah. So like, it's not like you can do squats for 45 minutes at a really low intensity Yeah. the way that you could walk uphill or jog. Right. Right. Okay. So it makes- uses the same things, but it doesn't have the same effect because it can't be performed the same way. Got it. So basically if you were jogging at an easy pace or walking fast uphill, something like that, uh, you're going to be tapping into that energy system very steadily over the course of however long. Whereas if you're doing sets of 25, but still having to rest in between, it's going to be more up and down, not as consistent. Cause the intensity is still higher. Like yeah. you might be doing sets of 25, but doing a squat is way harder than taking a step. Yeah, for sure. So factoring that into, to how it works, like that low intensity is still relative to like a one rep max and not relative to yeah. walking uphill. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Sweet, man. I feel like that was a really solid, uh, solid, informative episode right there. I think so. Um, I, I think uh, it's also still a pretty confusing subject, Yeah. Um, especially if this is your first exposure to it. And uh, I know that when I started training, I had to have this explained to me like three different ways before I started to really understand it. Yeah. So if this telling of it didn't really click for you, you can ask us more questions about it. Like for sure. Hit us up on Instagram or on our websites and let us know which parts are confusing, what you'd like to know, how you want to apply it to your training. And we're happy to walk you through the best way to add the metabolic component mm-hmm. to your conditioning and your training. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Anything else to add big guy? You know, man, I think that about covers it. Yeah. You live in that glycolytic, don't you? Just your whole life. That's, that's my, that's my happy place right there. (laughs) That's most people's. I I like it there a lot too. It's a good place. Dipping into the heavy stuff occasionally, but there's something nice about like a four by eight. Yeah, man. It's not quite a, I don't know that those first, the, the, that whole ATP zone Mm-hmm. is just a special kind of, of brutal, <laughs> like glycolytic zone is a nice sweet spot and nobody likes to do cardio. So, <laughs> no, I mean, now that it's getting nice out. Yeah. I might like doing a little more cardio. <laughs> yeah, it, it helps for sure. It yeah. helps. <laughs> but yeah, man. Right, cool. This has been the big freaking health coach podcast hitting you with some energy system knowledge. Heck yeah. Send your follow-up questions to us. We will either answer you directly or answer you directly and use your good questions for our next Q&A because we're always looking for questions for those to help you guys out. Yes, please. That's Big Freaking Neil. I'm Health Coach Kane. We will see you guys next week. Next week.